Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In 4 weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose 1 to 2 pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Calling Town City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. Pointing them to the moon. This is the Starship Sofa. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 709. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hope everyone is fine and dandy. We're going to jump straight in with the main fiction. No messing. Great story, great narration. So the main fiction is with Frank and Lucinda Buer at the East Pole by Gregory Norman Bossett. Gregory Norman Bossett is an author and filmmaker based just over the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco. He started writing in 2009 on a dare and has no intention of stopping anytime soon. His story, The Telling, won the 2013 World Fantasy Award. Other stories have appeared everywhere from Asimov's science fiction to the Saturday Evening Post. When not writing, he wrangles spaceships and superheroes for the legendary visual effects studio Industrial Light and Magic. This story originally appeared in The Unquiet Dreamer, a tribute to Harlan Ellison in 2021. Now, this story is narrated by Mike Boris. Mike's a long-time fan of the show and is always happy to record a story for the sofa. He narrated Adam Troy Castro's of A Sweet Slow Dance in the Wake of Temporary Dogs 600 episodes ago in 2009, which was Oral Delights number 87. He is an IT consultant and an e-learning narrator over in the colonies. And his neighbours still think The soundproof booth in his basement is for recording. So far, so good. He's got a wife, kids, cats and all that. Okay, that's enough about Mike. Let's get on with the day's show. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present. With Frank and Lucinda. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Brewer at the East Pole by Gregory Norman Bossert. Read to you by Mike Boris. Lou and Frank Brewer looked out and up to Autumn's tapestry, that miracle of ice and human endeavor that spans the east pole of the planet Medea, and sipped their cocoa. It's quite nice, isn't it? Lou said. Do you think they shipped the chocolate all the way from Earth? Frank grunted dubiously. Synthesized, I reckon. Real or not, the cocoa really hit the spot. They'd ordered the Choco de Luz. It had a shot of some native liquor, which they hoped stood a better chance of thawing out their frozen toes. Despite the warming tent's heat shield and the blankets piled on each rocking chair, Lou was still frozen through from the hike out to the viewing platform. Some of the tour group had continued on to the foot of the glacier itself and the East Pole marker, the halfway point between the heat-ravaged near side of Medea and the eternally frigid far side. But an hour out on the ice, breathing the thin air that just 500 kilometers further into Farside would turn to ice itself, had been quite enough for the two of them. They looked up at the statue of Virgil Autumn, which in turn looked out on what he'd shaped from the glacier half a century before. Tableaus from the greatest myths and the tallest tales of human history. Visions captured from the first campfire flames, and the trails of rockets across alien skies, all laced through with spiraling towers and bridges that could have come from nowhere else but Autumn's singular soul. Two years to make, eh? Frank said. Lou frowned at the cocoa. Two years to synthesize cocoa? No, you're carving there. Frank's gesture took in the kilometers of sculpted glacier. Autumn's, what you call, tapestry. Oh, Yes, two years. But of course he spent years before that scouting the location and finding the crashed satellite with the laser and all that. Miracle he had any toes left by the end, Frank said. Well, he did die finishing it, Lou said. Exactly, Frank said and took a long swig of cocoa. I think it's very romantic. With a capital R, I mean. 
sacrificing himself for his art. And he taught the aliens how to draw, didn't he? Lou had bought a book of Fuchs' art at the gift store. Simple line drawings for the most part, depicting scenes from the early days of colonization. Stick-figure humans in the strange Midian landscape. Better at carving than teaching, wasn't he? Frank said. Well, I'm sure the Fuchses were very thankful, Lou said. And then with the movie and all the tourists coming to see it. Frank was resting his eyes after finishing his cocoa, and Lou was sitting quietly watching the aurora's reflection play across the tapestry. That and the dim light in the tent must have been why the newcomers didn't see the two until they had stepped through the shimmer of the heat shield. First through were a pair of Fuchses, the natives of Medea. One a teal two-legged neuter, and the other a six-legged female, with fur the same deep indigo of the sky above the glacier. Lou had not seen many of the female Fuchses up close. The ones that interacted with tourists tend to be the elderly neuters. Lou thought the way this one's legs interwove was captivatingly graceful, despite being burdened as it was by a pair of packs slung across its, sorry, her low torso. The Fuchses dropped their packs with relief that was obvious, alien or not. Behind those two came a four-legged male, focused on a portable holographic display. And behind him was a human figure wearing a breather, lugging some sort of industrial tool of battered yellow enamel and pitted steel, as tall, and likely as heavy, as the person carrying it. That person half-unslung the device before noticing Lou and Frank buried in their blankets. The group, human and alien alike, froze as one. Frank had shaken himself awake. He scooted his chair forward and gestured behind it. Plenty of room here, sir. Ma'am, Lou said with a surreptitious slap of Frank's leg. Oh, miss, she corrected herself as the figure took off her mask. The woman grunted, a sort of laugh, or perhaps it was just the effort of hefting the device into the gap behind Lou and Frank's chairs. Then she slumped into the chair next to Lou, and looked at them out of the side of her eye as she pulled off layers of gloves. From her battered boots to duct-taped cold suit and her dark, ice-crusted brows, she radiated cold and hard travel. Sveta, she finally said. Uh, sorry? My name, Sveta. Lucinda Brewer. Call me Lou. And this is Frank. Sveta tilted her head toward the neuter Fuchs, who had taken the remaining chair at the far end. This is Third Shadow. All the Fuchses that Lou had met during the trip had easy names like Ben or Jimmy. There had even been a Frank, an encounter that had amused her Frank to no end. Lou wasn't quite sure if she should use the whole thing or just Third, and Shveta didn't introduce the other two Fuchses at all. They seemed busy with the holographic display anyway. Lou settled on a generic... Pleased to meet you. Did you do the hike out to the glacier? Frank asked. Lou was wondering that herself. She hadn't seen any Fuchses on the tour, apart from the ones who worked for the park itself. No, Shveta said. We've been up in the hills for the last seven weeks, in between here and Nearside. Lou said, Oh, you should at least walk out to the viewing platform. It's really quite... We've seen it, Shveta said flatly. She leaned over to untie her boots. My granduncle worked on it, she said, rubbing her toes. Your Virgil Autumn's grand niece? Lou asked. 
Shveta grimaced and shook her head. No relation to that mass-murdering asshole. I'm talking about William Ronald Pogue. Also an asshole, just a less effective one. He did that bit up there. Lou wasn't quite sure how to respond to that. Frank leaned over her to squint at the section toward which Sveta pointed, a series of soaring minarets connected by a fairy tale bridge. Rogue, you say? Did the work. Odom took the credit, huh? No, his name was... Uh, it's not important. He just completed the last unfinished bit after Autumn died. Third Shadow tilted its head back and forth. It hadn't occurred to Lou that the alien was following the conversation. But of course, just because they didn't speak didn't mean they couldn't understand. And they did speak, didn't they? Through ecstatus, that telepathic flow they shared with each other, and could share with humans. With a shiver, Lou realized that Shveta and the Fuchs were doing so right there in front of her. Shveta looked away from Third Shadow, slumped in her seat. Yeah, sure. Autumn had already programmed the design, and the Fuchs has practically kidnapped Pogue and forced him at spear point to do the work. But he still picked up the damn laser. That makes him responsible. Seems like he ought to have his own statue then, Frank said dubiously. Now we've heard about Mr. Pogue on the tour, Frank, Lou said. It's confusing, she said to Sveta, because in the movie they changed him, your granduncle, I mean, to a woman, Rona. Oh, why, that must have come from Ronald. So your uncle did get credit, in a way. Ah, the movie, Sveta said. The River of Light. Have you seen it? <laughs> of course you have. It's why we wanted to come here. That final scene when she's holding Virgil up so he can finish the last section before he dies. Makes me cry like a baby every time. Well now, that's inspired by your granduncle too, isn't it? I guess they have to make everything a bit bigger in life, you know, to keep the audience interested. Just like your sculpture here, Frank said. All those towers and damsels and doodads, straight out of the stories my mum used to read to me. Just bigger. And carved in ice, Lou said. Frank said, I'm just saying you could see all those individual bits back on Earth. But here it's ten times the size, and sure, carved in ice, and people come all over known space to see it. A proud tradition of spreading proud tradition, Sveta said in a tone that made Lou a bit uncomfortable. You're what, British? Sun never sets on the colonies and all that? Hey now, Frank said. Frank is from Scotland. It's been some while since they were part of Britain. And I'm from Luna, Malapert Colony. Though we had that thing, you know, so I grew up on Ganymede. That's where Frank and I met. Malapert? That was the blowout, yeah? Yes, Lou said. I was lucky. The school had a shelter, but my parents and sisters. Sorry, Sveta said. Sorry, I inherited the assholery, as well as the responsibility. Oh, it's all water under the bridge, dear. Third Shadow turned its head at last. Its eyes were a startling opaline blue. The other Fuchses looked up at her as well, and Lou felt the tent shimmer and swim, as if they were all underwater. Then Third Shadow looked away, and the other two returned to examining their display. It was some sort of map, Lou realized, with a vector overlay that swirled like her vision had just done. 
Sveta grunted. Sorry, she said again. A pause in the conversation then, as they all looked out. A group of Fuchses had gathered on the viewing platform halfway to the glacier, silhouetted against the neon glow of the aurora's reflected light, all facing toward the nearside hills, backs to the tapestry. Lou looked over her shoulder, but of course the tent blocked the view. She turned back around and let out an involuntary, Oh! A Fuchs had stuck its head through the heat shield, a neuter in the uniform of the park rangers. It stared from one end of the odd group in the warming tent to the other, finally focusing on Third Shadow. The two Fuchses locked in ecstasis for a minute, and then the newcomer pulled back out of the tent and away. Third Shadow looked at Shveta, who shrugged. They were going to figure it out soon enough, she said. Do you work with them? Frank asked. For the park, I mean. Shveta snorted again. <laughs> no, she said. I just thought with your legacy and your friend's map here, and the drill... He reached back to pat the laser. Maybe they had you fixing up the sculpture. You know, it's got to be fragile with that being carved from ice. Seared into the living ice itself, Lou said, which was a quote from the movie. Oh, we'd love a chance to fix it, Shveta said, or finish it. William Ronald Pogue's legacy, like you say. I thought he did finish it, Frank said. Your granduncle, I mean. Isn't that what you said? Pogue finished Autumn's design all right. It's the design that was incomplete. Not that Autumn could see that, or Pogue, or any of the original colonists. Shveta leaned forward to raise an eyebrow at Frank. Frank frowned, first at Shveta and then at the tapestry. It's got just about everything, ain't it? What's it missing? Shveta grunted. Lou still wasn't sure if the sound was a laugh, and slumped back in her chair. And just like that, Lou saw it, the thing that had been nagging at her since she had paged through the art book at the gift store. The Fuchses, she said. There are no Fuchses, are there? Well, damn me, Frank said. Oh, you should add some in, Lou went on. It would be a lovely gesture. This time, Shveta's laugh was unmistakable, and unmistakably bitter. It'd be some sort of gesture, anyway. But the park isn't interested. The government isn't interested. The fucking people aren't interested. And they've got it guarded like it's the goddamn heart of the colony itself. Those so-called park rangers are all armed, you know, swaggering around in their matching uniforms. Bigots, the bunch of them. Even the Fuchs rangers. The two nameless Fuchses looked up as Shveta's tone sharpened. The female stepped over to Third Shadow. Amazing how beautifully her legs moved, Lou thought again, and pointed out something on the holographic display. The male started sorting out the packs they had dropped when they entered. Shveta took a deep breath, let it out again. So we found a spot of our own, she continued. The Sabato Shelf. Heard of it? Lou and Frank shook their heads. It's a glacier about forty kilometers south of here, in a cut that runs through the mountains toward the near side. Not much of a shelf anymore. The rise in oxygen levels due to agriculture has changed the ocean albedo, which has changed the winds. There's a warm wind always blowing from near side now, and the shelf has become a wall. It was like that at Malapert, Lou said. A wall protecting the people from the cold. 
Or the other way around, Shveta said. Third Shadow looked up, and Shveta said, Sorry, I'm being an asshole again. Oh, goodness, don't fret yourself. It's that legacy business again, isn't it? Funny the way it follows us. Shveta laughed again and started retying her boots. And how we follow it, she said. She raised her chin at the tapestry. The Sabato shelf doesn't catch the aurora like the Rio de Luz here. But when the suns are behind it, it was like all the rainbows you've ever seen pressed into a single pane of glass. Lou shivered. The Malapert walls were glass, extruded silica, you know. I still remember the sound it made when it cracked, like a bell at first, and then... Shveta looked up from her boots, out across the ice to the tapestry. Yeah, she said. And then it's like the world collapsing. They were all silent for a moment. Frank cleared his throat. <clears throat> I was going to ask, if it's not rude, I mean. You have two sons, so where does the third shadow come from? The name, I mean. Shveta started pulling on her layers of gloves. It's not his real name, of course. Just something for humans to use. A nom de guerre. And as for the shadow, well... The Fuchs got up and came around Shveta to stand in front of Lou and Frank. Up close, its eyes were even more like opals. Cobalt veins like fissures whose depths were impossible to map. It reached past them to touch the laser. That thing makes a hell of a light, Shveta said. Third shadow straightened so quickly that both Lou and Frank flinched. And seconds later, the Fuchs in the park ranger uniform stepped through the heat shield, followed by a larger male and a human ranger. Shveta stood up. The female folks carefully put away the holographic display and moved to Shveta's side. The human ranger, a woman twice Lou's size and all of it muscle, glowered at Third Shadow for a moment, as if trying to place him. Then she turned face to face with Shveta. We've got some serious penalties for vandalism on public land, she said. Right up there with terrorism. You're too late. Shveta said. Adams kicked it sixty years ago. The ranger bared her teeth in a sort of smile and tilted her head toward the laser wedged behind Frank and Lou's chairs. We've had reports of someone up in the hills with a drill and explosives. Just bringing something like that into the park is enough to get you taken in. For questioning, you could say. Third Shadow had slowly shifted sideways as if to flank the human ranger. The uniformed Fuchs had just as slowly turned to counter that move. The big male was blocking the tent's exit on the far side, where Shveta's other companions stood over their packs. It's mine, Frank said. Lou, Shveta, and the rangers all turned to stare at him with an identical open-mouthed expression. Frank looked a bit startled himself. The, uh, laser is mine, he said. It is? The question squeaked out of Lou's mouth before she realized what Frank was doing. She clapped her hand over her mouth and then, fearing that would add to the ranger's suspicion, turned the action into a not very convincing cough. I bought it while you were in the ladies' room, Frank said to her. From a gentleman in a blue parka. Looking rather pleased with that detail, he went on. It doesn't work, of course. That's why the numpty wanted to get rid of it cheap. Frank patted the corroded barrel of the drill. I thought it would make a nice souvenir. We can hang it over the mantle. Lou blinked a few times and said, 
Yes, uh, that would be lovely. After all, your tapestry here is testament to what man can do with a laser, isn't it? Frank said to the ranger. The ranger retreated to the reassurance of the historical record. Actually, Virgil Odom used an orbital-grade device salvaged from a downed power satellite, icebergs, hologram projector, yes, we enjoyed the tour. This looks much more like the laser in the movie, Lou said brightly. The human ranger let out a long, silament hiss. Tourists, Shveta said. Whatever would we do without him? I didn't know it would cause such a fuss, Frank said. I'll get it straight out of here. I spent 70 years in shipping, you know, based on Ganymede. Why, I bet some of the stuff you have in your store there came... Right, said the human ranger, still looking at Shveta. We're not fond of trespassers either. This tent is for customers of the snack bar. If you're done here, I suggest you move along. All of you, she said, with a grimace for Lou and Frank. She stomped out of the tent, followed by the big male. The uniformed Fuchs stayed a moment longer. Whatever passed between it and Third Shadow made its shoulders rise and then slumped down before it turned to leave. Shveta turned to Frank, eyebrow raised again. Frank shrugged. Lou thought he might be blushing, though that could have been the chill left by the ranger's exit. Just seems like you have more of a reason to be here than she does. Or any of these dobbers. Us included, eh? And the Fuchses most of all, Lou said. After all, you were here first. Sveta shook her head and picked up her breather. Before autumn, the Fuchses never came this deep into the far side. It's just too damn cold. She flipped the switch on the breather, then paused a second. We are headed up the mountain to the Vista Point. You're welcome to join us, if you want. It's going to be quite a view. Oh, the last gondola left hours ago, Lou said. Shveta shrugged. We are walking, she said. Frank laughed and shook his head. I'd freeze right through before I made it to the start of the trail, he said. It's the bus back to the hotel for us. Suit yourself, Shveta said. But don't forget the drill, Frank said. I'm done with it, Shveta said. Anyway, it's yours, remember? Just imagine the stories you'll tell with it hanging there over the mantel. She grinned and fit the breather over her head. Uh, uh, well, Frank said. Goodness, that reminds me. I can't believe I almost forgot to ask, Lou said. Shveta, dear, what did you make? Shveta's brows furrowed over her breather. Lou put her hand on the laser. At the Sabato shelf, I mean. Shveta lowered her mask and said, What did we make at the Sabato shelf? She grunted her laugh one last time. The Fuchses stopped and turned as one. Nothing, she said. We made nothing. Oh, now, I'm sure it's lovely, Lou said. Should we go see it? But Shveta had already fit her breather back on and turned away. The two younger Fuchses followed her out of the tent, lugging the packs. Third Shadow looked up at Lou, and for a moment she felt a sort of doubling, as if over the tent and the heat shield, and the viewing platform, and the tapestry, and Shveta, and Frank and herself, there was a layer of something else. Struggling to describe it later, all she could say was that it wasn't any of those things that were there now. Lou and Frank took a few minutes to bundle themselves back into their layers of hats and mittens. 
and another minute tugging at the laser before deciding to ask the bus driver to have it shipped to the hotel. The heat shield fizzled across their faces as they stepped out of the tent and past that the sharp slap of the cold, though that blow seemed less fearsome than Lou remembered. Underneath the aurora, Autumn's tapestry glimmered in technicolor glory. Lou took a couple of steps, captivated, and slipped. She clutched Frank's arm. The little crowd of Fuchses on the viewing platform had been joined by several of the human park rangers. The group faced back toward Nearside, some looking up, others in urgent conversation. Frank turned to follow their gaze, raised his chin, and inhaled. Ah, now that's an improvement, he said. Lou was testing the ice with the toe of her boot. It had grown slick while they had sat in the tent. The surface gleamed, mirroring Frank and her against the alien sky. An icicle had fallen from the front of the tent and shattered. The fragments caught the glow and threw it out again in fantastic arcs of light, like shards of the tapestry itself. "'What's that, dear?' she said. "'The air. Much better, huh?' Lou looked up. A low, heavy mist was rolling down out of the hills. Off to her right, she could see Shveta and her companions already climbing the trail to the vista point. Backs turned to the view. Lou tucked a fluttering curl behind her ear and faced into the steadily warming wind. And there you go. Oh, man, that's when, it, when the stars align and it comes together. Man, Gregory, thank you so much. And Mike, what a... Fantastic. Absolutely lovely. I hope you've enjoyed that. That is brilliant. So if you've enjoyed that, you'll enjoy me cup out there, you know, begging almost to kind of keep this show going and bringing stuff, you know, like stories and narrations like that. That's how we do it, you know, with your good kindness. Pop over to the front of the website. It's Honestly, I'm not joking. It's important. You keep the show going. This is how we do it. Pop over to the front of the website. There's a PayPal. There's the Patreon. You can do it for like, you know, £2.50 a month, something as little as that. Just taking over would be fantastic. Please, it means a lot. Until next week, just like to say, good night from me. Thank you, Chris.
cast myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there.